Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The FT. Inflation is on the rise, so how can investors protect themselves? Tax-efficient schemes for investors could be under threat by the revenue. So should you buy them now? And some good news amidst the gloom. What a stronger pound could mean for your holidays. All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Alice Ross and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Lucy Warwick-Ching. Hello. Steve Lodge. Hello. And our special studio guest, Adrian Lowcock, Senior Investment Advisor at Best Invest. Hello. So let's start with the money news. This week, official statistics showed that inflation is rising faster than people expected. The Consumer Prices Index rose to 3.3% in November, up from 3.2% in October, as food and clothing prices rose at record levels. The Retail Price Index also rose from 4.5% to 4.7%. Analysts warned that the rise in inflation has made it even harder for savers to get a real rate of return on their cash, while investors could also suffer. So, Lucy, how big a problem is inflation for people's finances? Well, first of all, things like savings, um, you know, low interest rates that we have at the moment and higher inflation are going to erode the amount of money that you have in the bank. There used to be things like the National Savings Index linked certificates that people could put their money into and it would kind of protect them from um, inflation. But now they've actually been withdrawn from the market. So I think the main thing with savings is that people need to be really looking around, getting the best rate for their money and putting their money into things like um, cash ices and making sure that they're making the most of the tax breaks that you can get. But there are other things that you can do about it. I think one of the main things for our listeners is investments. So Adrian, where do you think people can put their money to um, protect it from inflation? I think the main thing to do is think about where is what's causing inflation. And at the moment, a lot of that is in commodities and uh, from imports from overseas. And so effectively, investing in commodities will effectively help you protect against what's causing the inflation. So something like a commodities fund will do. Uh, But also investing in overseas where currencies are going to appreciate against sterling. So that would be in Asia-Pacific, emerging markets. And that effectively creates a bit of diversification and defence against inflation uh, in the UK that's being imported from overseas at the moment. And a lot of people have said, you know, in the past, traditionally, things like gold are seen as a very safe place to put your money. Is that still a good place, do you think? Historically, gold um, effectively holds value and just and, and, and neutralises the inflation impact. But with the introduction of ETFs and, and other things, gold has become a bit more volatile recently. It's very hard to tell if that story is still true. But the way, the way it's moving at the moment and the way market perceives it, it seems to be the case. So gold could be another area to invest in. And what about things like index-linked gilts? 
Index-linked gilts are the, I mean, they give inflation-proofing. For those earning sort of 40% or paying 40% or 50% tax, then the index-linking, the inflation-proofing element of of those gilts is tax-free. So that's quite attractive. Um, But the prices on them pretty low and the returns at the moment quite low so they're not going to they're not going to give you too much but a bit of inflation protection and and a tax efficient manner so they could be good for higher rate taxpayers mm-hmm. and things like equities traditional equities equities i mean they have the advantage that unlike bonds or, or fixed cash deposits they um they they can grow their dividends so uh, if if inflation does take off uh, companies can raise dividends as their as their profits go up and they they can be more flexible on it whereas uh, cash or fixed bonds if you're getting 4% on that, you're getting that, you know, until the maturity of that that fixed bond or that cash rate. So equities can give you a bit of growth in in the, the income stream. And what about um, if you're a pensioner and you're um, trying to protect your income uh, for life? If you if you're looking into buying an annuity, there are options there as well to protect yourself against inflation, aren't there? There are. I mean, you can get um, fixed annuities, which effectively give you a set rate, but you can also get um, things that will effectively link into CPI or RPI. So that that is the inflation uh, fixing, and it's very important. I mean, when you're buying an annuity, you're not buying it for two or three years; you're buying it for ten hopefully 15, 20 years, so it's a lot longer term. So you really do need to sort of take a view on inflation over the long term and think and think about how to buy something that does protect against uh, that because it could be a big eroder of your uh, income over the years. Mm. Although I've heard that that can be quite expensive if you do buy some sort of RPI-linked annuity. You can start off with a significantly lower income, so that's... It, yeah, I mean, it's effectively a benefit. So one way or another, the, the way that the uh, life providers will do it is they'll, they'll factor that into the, the, the value you get. Get. Um, you may you may actually prefer not to buy an annuity if, if inflation is concerned and actually just draw down uh, from the pension itself uh, and, and wait. I mean, you know, the laws are going to change, so you won't even have to take an annuity at the age of 75. So you could just take income drawdown uh, mm. each year and, and therefore you can determine how much income you need from it. Mm. I guess the other area that some people um, may not traditionally think about with inflation is things like mortgages. Um, and some people are saying that sustained high inflation could actually prompt the Bank of England to increase interest rates. So maybe people should be thinking about fixing now. The, the outlook on interest rates is still quite benign at the moment. Nobody really thinks they're going to raise them in, in, in the short term. But if inflation does take off, it, it actually erodes debt. So it's actually quite a good thing if you've got a mortgage, mm. albeit interest rates are likely to rise. So therefore, yes, if, if you think uh, in, um, inflation is going to be an issue, it wouldn't be a bad idea to lock in at a reasonable rate now um, in a two to three year time scale. It, it, it it's unclear at the moment, but it might it might be a strategy that pays off. But at least you know what you're paying on your debt. That would be the, the good thing about fixing a mortgage. Mm-hmm. So quite a lot of options there if you are concerned about inflation. Thanks very much for that, Lucy and Adrian. And for more on inflation and how to protect yourself against it, look out for Lucy's article in this weekend's FT Money with the Weekend FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, holidaying abroad with a stronger pound. First, though, venture capital trusts. This week, the Office of Tax Simplification published a review of tax reliefs and highlighted some schemes that are very popular with wealthy investors. Venture capital trusts and enterprise investment schemes, which offer tax breaks if investments are held for a number of years, are now on the Treasury's list of schemes to review. Some analysts believe this spells bad news for the schemes and are advising investors to buy now if they were already planning to get a VCT. But Adrian, is there a real risk that they could get rid of VCTs and EISs altogether? I think 
thing to bear in mind here is that looking at you know a thousand or plus uh, tax breaks, so they're just looking at everything in order. And VCT and EICs are quite high profile; they tend to be for the high rate taxpayers. Um, it's difficult to say if they would actually scrap them because they they're actually quite attractive and they're quite useful tax planning, and they're very good for um, entrepreneurial investing. And um, so really investing in the grassroots of UK companies and that sort of thing. So it, it, it seems like it might be counterproductive to do that, but they might review and tighten up the rules. Mm. Because I think the feeling is that some VCTs and EISs are perhaps less in the spirit of things than others. I think VCTs and EISs, I mean, they've been very, very creative at, at using the rules to, to get um, tax-efficient schemes and very low risk compared to the, the general perception, a lot lower risk and more asset-backed and, you know, stable income from it. So they've been very, very uh, clever and very smart on that. So that's why that's an area they may look at and start to try and refine the, the rules behind it. Mm. I've actually been wondering about these solar VCTs that are all the rage this year, because those are actually... Uh, from what the providers would tell you, not very high risk at all because they're based on these government um, tariff schemes. So is that do you think that's something that could come under scrutiny? Yeah, I mean, the idea was to invest in small companies and entrepreneurial startup companies, Mm. not into effectively legal uh, tariff schemes that the government are are forcing the um, energy providers to uh, subsidise renewable energy investment. Um, So that's perhaps not in the spirit of it. Um, But at the moment, the rules are... Are as they stand, so those those are actually quite attractive to investors. And uh, you know what's out there at the moment, a lot of them are very low risk for uh, for the tax relief um, mm. and, and quite attractive. So I think you know all said and done, with this on top, we'll probably see quite a big year for VCTs. Mm. Steve. Oh, so Adrian, what could be the effect of this review? I mean, you, you've mentioned some of the schemes that look safer than they should, but I mean, am I right in saying that over the years the ta- tax rules and the tax reliefs have changed so often now that, I mean, wouldn't another alternative be simply to kind of water down the tax breaks? They, I mean, they've actually already did the, uh, done that initially anyway, um, but the way VCTs do, they've, they've got a, a sort of, uh, effectively, they can take money now and structure the VCT in such a way that they take advantage as a top-up to an existing VCT. They can use a backdoor to get into the old rules. So things like that might get tightened up as opposed to actually changing the rules. It might be tightening up how you use money and and which reliefs you get the benefit of. Mm. But you were saying that as things stand now, the VCTs are looking like a pretty good bet, some of them at the moment. So presumably if you put your money in this tax year, there's you know, not much chance that they'll retrospectively change it. So it probably is a good idea to buy one now if you already think you're doing so. I think if you're thinking of buying a VCT, it's very important, you know, don't do it just because of the, the rule potential that rules may change. Do it if you were thinking of doing it. Um, what's on offer at the, at the moment is very attractive with higher rate tax and, and the, the likelihood of more taxes to go up later. That's, then there's some very attractive VCTs out there at the moment. Except, as Adrian, has anyone actually ever made any money in VCTs? <laughs> I thought the, the whole point was, yes, don't buy it because of the tax breaks Mm. but when you look at the underlying portfolio despite various smaller company booms um most of these venture capital investments haven't delivered. And a lot of people say it's because of high charges, of course. I think, I mean, the tax break is part of VCTs. And if you go back to 1995 when they were created, uh, in the 90s you had a lot of managers who didn't really have any experience running VCTs. But what we've seen over the last 15 years is the ones that really developed expertise and skills in there have really come to the fore. And now that's why we've got a, a quite a mature industry with expertise in it where they are starting to add value. The tax break is part of that, that performance and return though so for a lot of these products you you are actually investing to get your pound back um 
and, and 30 pence on the tax relief and possibly with some tax-free dividends, but not much more than that. You're not really investing for, for massive capital growth and higher risk. It's more about capital preservation and the tax relief. Because, of course, just to remind listeners, um, if you invest in a VCT, you do get that 30% tax relief, but you have to hold the investment for five years to get that, don't you? That's correct, absolutely. If you sell in that time, you have to pay back the tax relief. Yeah, so um, something to think about if you were already thinking about buying a VCT, perhaps buy now. Um, thanks very much for that, Adrian. And for full details of what you can do about any possible clampdown on VCTs, read my article in the FT Money section this weekend and on our website, ft.com forward slash money. Finally today, some good news for holidaymakers. Analysts now believe that sterling could continue its recovery against the euro and the dollar, following debt problems in the eurozone and quantitative easing in the US, both of which are weakening the local currencies. A stronger pound would be good news for holidaymakers, who have long faced expensive trips abroad thanks to the weakness in sterling. However, travellers are being warned to choose the bank cards they use abroad carefully after the discovery of a new hidden cost on credit cards from RBS, NatWest and Tesco. Steve, first of all, how strong do they think the pound could get? Well, as looking um, ahead to next year, so really on a 12-month view, um, some analysts are saying that the euro currently about 117, 118, i.e the pound is pretty weak against the euro, could go into the 120s, possibly up to the high 120s, 128, for example. Um, But better still for people who want to travel to the US, uh, current rates about 155, 156, you know, pretty much where it has been historically on a sort of standard trend, um, could go up to about 175 next year. Mm. So Mrs. Lodge's traditional trip to factory outlet shops um, may beckon (laughs) in the spring. Yeah, I remember it was only, I think it was two years ago that you could go to New York on a shopping trip and it was $2 to the pound. Exactly, or even I think think the pound peaked, if you like, against the dollar at $2, above $2. Mm. And of course... You know, it's not just about the exchange rate, it's about costs when you're there. And as we know, we're, we're, everything's terribly overpriced over here compared to in the US. We can pick up our clothes, our food, our fuel, even hotel rooms cheaper there. So um, it does seem to show that the US will become that traditionally attractive place to go um, in terms of cost. And Europe will be less expensive than it has been recently. Hmm. So if shopping in Europe and the US is going to become a good idea again, what are the pitfalls that I believe you've been looking into this week on that? Some of the credit cards that you could use to make these foreign purchases are not all what they might appear? Well, yes. I mean, um, quite worryingly, um, a new hidden charge has emerged this week. um, And it's a hidden charge applied by possibly even more worryingly, the state-owned bank, the RBS group. And that means any credit card issued by RBS, NatWest, and indeed Tesco, which basically uses RBS's systems. So with any credit card or indeed debit card, when you spend, you get an exchange rate and each company will have its own, what it calls a loading, a currency charge, typically about 2.75%. And that's over, if you like, a wholesale currency rate. That wholesale rate comes from Visa or MasterCard, depending on where your card comes from. Now, RBS Group quietly has been using its own wholesale rate in the last couple of years, 
which um, analysts now say is about up to about 2% worse than Visa or MasterCard. So the net effect is that's 2% plus the, their normal 2.75. The rate is worsened by up to 5%, near, nearly 5%. Mm, and how much of a difference has that made to consumers in terms of how much money have they lost out on by using Will these I- cards? Analysts say it will have cost people millions of pounds in total. I mean, overall, it's not going to have cost much. You know, it's going to be a couple of pounds on a purchase of £100. But what's very naughty about this is that um, both RBS Group, RBS NatWest and Tesco, have been very quiet about this until it emerged in a in a in a newspaper last weekend mm. um, and now strange enough they're saying oh we will put it into card statements explain what's going on and so on um, but it is you know it is has been news to everyone frankly that this has been going on apparently it's not against the regulations mm. they say that they told card holders in advance they sent a notice of variation which to you and me is a boring piece of small print um which says they were going to do this but all they said is they were going to use their own currency their own exchange rates they didn't they've never at any point explained the effect of that mm. and the effect of it is they've used their own rate but their own rate is worse and presumably then there's no talk of compensation for this because they're saying it was all within the well, they're regulations say, they're saying they gave notification and it's legitimate to set their own rates and i've been told that's the case they seem to be the only groups that do set their own rate or main the only big groups uh, there may be some smaller ones but the only one where people have been effectively penalized um, so, no, they're, they're saying no compensation. But, I mean, card experts are saying, right, well, the answer is never, ever use one of these cards abroad, credit cards. Debit cards, oddly, they use the traditional Visa and MasterCard wholesale rates. But in, in the case of RBS and NatWest cards, you will u- pay a transaction charge as mm. well. So you buy your beer, not only we get 2.75% loading, but you pay a pound twenty-five charge for that. Mm. So the real answer is don't use them. Just briefly, top tip for the best credit card that you should use abroad? The best credit card. For for pure spending, the nationwide credit card is still pretty good, but then it's not so good on the debit card side. Um, it is a question of a number of charges, which we will explain at the weekend. There are a range of charges here. You, you know, you can be charged interest by some cards for taking cash out of currency out of a cash point, sometimes a transaction charge, sometimes a currency loading. Mm-hmm. Um, the new Metro Bank, uh, oddly, um, has a, a charge free card. Um, personally, I like the Halifax Clarity credit card. Oddly, now it, it is. The, about the cheapest credit card out there, or the cheapest card for getting ca- currency as for cash points, is actually a credit card now, even though you might pay interest on it. Hmm. So to find the best card that will work for you, uh, have a look at Steve's article in FT Money this weekend. But that's all for this week's FT Money Show. Remember, you can get weekday news updates on our website, ft.com forward slash money. And you can read and comment on our latest blog posts at ft.com forward slash money matters. We'll be back next year with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye and happy Christmas from me. And it's goodbye from Lucy, Steve and our special guest, Adrian Lowcock from Best Invest. Goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. 
so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.